Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Hawks Live, we are back, man. We're presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday right here at 7 o'clock on Seattle Sports 710 Broadcasting Live from Bellevue Square Center Court. How we doing, folks? We good. Got a nice crowd right here. Thanks for coming out for week number two. Paul Moyer is still doing what Paul Moyer does. So I got my guy, B-Walt, a.k.a. B-Weezy. How you doing, man? B-Weezy. Never gets old, I'll tell you that much. But I'm, <laughs> I'm doing great. Good to be back here. Good to be with the fans, as always. Thanks for showing up. Uh, so here we go. Another week, right, Bump? Another week. We got a great show, man. We got Mike Morris is going to join us today. We'll have some phone interviews as well. So you guys hang tight. Going to give away some stuff with some raffles, some gift cards. All of that is going down today on Hawks Live, man. But unfortunately, folks, we know what happened last week. All right. These guys came out. The Seahawks did not get it done against the L.A. Rams. But we warned you. We told you guys that it was going to be tough. The Rams always play the Seahawks tough. I don't care who's the head coach. It can be Fisher. It can be McVay. I don't care who the quarterback is. It can be Wolford. It can be uh, Goff. It does not matter. But we have to deal with Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford had himself a day, man. 24 of 38, 334 yards. Uh, No touchdowns, but he got after it. Who's cheering for the Rams over here? All right, we'll say hi over there. I hope no one's cheering for the Rams, though, man. This is Seahawks <laughs> production, man. All right, but B-Walt, man, when you look at this game, uh, what's the first thing that stands out to you? What went wrong for these guys? The first thing I think about is, man, how can two halves of football be so different? You know, you go in from that first half, you know, you're up 13-7, could be 16-7, and you're like, okay, you know, we came in and, and we, we, we got the lead here. Now we're ready to finish them. You know, Pete Carroll team is all about finishing. So you go into that second half with the lead, you're pretty confident that you're going to get it done. But, man, I, I don't know. Like the second half was just, it was just weird. It was a it weird was. half of ball. When you're only running 14 plays as an offense and, and uh, you know, you're not getting off the field on third downs as a defense, it's just nothing's going to go right. And it was just very uncharacteristic. But, man, I love what I saw in the first half. <laughs> first half was great. They came out, they came out and, and, and took the lead, and, and it, it, we were rolling. No punts in the first half. Right. you got to love that. Yeah, the first half was good. Right? You come out, uh, you don't get a uh, touchdown with that very first drive. you got to settle for three points. And then the Rams come out, they put a drive together. And then you respond, right? You find DK in the back of the end zone. You're feeling like, okay, things are starting to work. But the second half comes around, and you're not able to get things going. I've spoken to a lot of people, and they focus on that third, uh, third down uh, number, right? I think the Rams were like 11 to 17 or something like that. They're saying, look, it was too easy to convert on third downs. When a team has third and short, I want you to look at first and second down. That means they're putting plays together to set up that third down. But there was a positive with this whole thing. Going into this game, people are saying, how was the 30th ranked team against the run last year going to hold up against this Rams offense? They did just fine. Rush the ball. The Rams rushed the ball 40 times for 92 yards. What did you think about the run defense? <laughs> I mean, if that, that's what the offseason goal was, was to fix the run defense. 
we did it. Like, that was impressive. Uh, Jaron Reed held his own in the middle. Uh, I love seeing him in there, uh, bringing Draymond Jones in. He showed what he can do there. Bobby Wagner, 19 tackles. Uh, he's back. Good to see him on the field. Jordan Brooks recovering from an ACL injury, like, you know, better than Adrian Peterson did. I mean, <laughs> it, you, so you have to like what you saw as far as uh, stopping the run because uh, you knew that the Rams were going to come in and, and try to expose the Seahawks with the run game. Cam right. Akers was coming off, you know, I think four of his best uh, best games at the tail end of last season. Uh, he ran the ball really well. So he's coming in with that momentum coming, and, and they couldn't really uh, get anything going. So they relied on uh, Matthew Stafford's arm. But unfortunately, Matthew Stafford is uh, <laughs> one of the better quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy, as he's showed. And so that came back, and he, and he had himself a, a great game. Yeah, Matthew Stafford had to remind us. He goes, look, don't forget about me. Pro Bowler, <laughs> Super Bowl champion, he did his thing. And uh, didn't have Odell Beckham, who he did have. He had Tutu Atwell, and he also had Puka Nakua, the guy who was uh, at UW and transferred to BYU. And they exploited the middle of the field. You got to tip your cap sometimes and say, look, you guys saw something in this defense um, that was weak, and you went after it. So, um, you know... You look at the secondary and you say, all right, that should have been the stronger point of this team. You got two good safeties out there. You bring over Julian Love. Uh, you have Tariq Woolen on one side. Trey Brown started, and then we saw a bit of Michael Jackson as well. Kobe Bryant was in the mix. Artie Burns, so much depth in that secondary. I look at what happened and I say, there's no way it can get any worse than what we saw last week. No, but sometimes, sometimes you do have to tip your hat to the other team, right? They come in with a great game plan. I mean, they've had months and months to, to come up with this game plan. You know, it's not like you're going from one team and then you have one week to, to, to prepare for this team, right? You know, right? They've been looking at this week one matchup against the Seahawks for a while. Um, you know, you know McVeigh's going to come out with something. He's going to come out on all cylinders and have something up his sleeve. So it, it's, it's tough to really be critical uh, of the defense at this point, I think uh, you know it, the, as far as the pass defense, there, there's we have great players out there. Right. I mean, you, you wouldn't want to trade them with for anybody. And then it only gets better this week. We're hoping to see Witherspoon back, um, and so it's just one of those things that the Rams just got us. Uh, that's what I think. They, they got us. They spread us. They took advantage of stuff they've seen on film, uh, tendencies they've seen you know throughout the past years, and and they got us. And and here's the good news. The good news is. It's week one. It's there week it one, and they're going to come back. The Seahawks will be like, okay, maybe this is a little weakness here in the middle of the field spreading us out. Now you can fix it. Mm -hmm. If this happens week 15, week, week, week 16, you're a little more up in arms. You're a little more worried. It's like, wow, where's this been? But, but it's week one. So I, I would be very surprised to see something like this, especially in the middle of the field, all those holes and stuff, uh, be a problem for the future games that's what keeps me optimistic all right folks i know that you guys look i, I do a, a daily show 10 to 2 if you're ever interested bump and stacy show <laughs> curtis rogers our producers family in front all right and all week we got people saying oh my god what are they doing fire pete do this and do that i go hold on it's week one you never you ever had a bad week at work and you get fired now this is what needs to happen. We got to see some type of improvement, right? We got to see the middle of the field be shored up. We want to see that run defense remain consistent. But I look at this as an opportunity for this coaching staff and for this team to look at the film, look at the mirror and say, okay, what can I do to make this team better? Now, if you come out against the Detroit Lions, who as of right now has, I believe, what the number eight offense in the league. They put up um, a bunch of yards last week. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday at their house during their ceremony. This is a good football 
football team. But if you come out and we see the same mistakes, then I think you start to worry just a little bit more because we know that this isn't baseball. You don't have 160-plus games. You got 17 of them things. You want to see some things fixed. So when you look at this defense and you look at the struggles that they had, where do you think that they can get better? I know there's the obvious answers, but specifically, like what would you do if you were the D coordinator and try to fix some things? Well, I feel like they, the theme of all the week, uh, the talk around the facility, all that has been communication, uh, making sure that guys are on the same page, making sure you know we're filling the right holes or, or we're, we're passing off receivers the right way. Um, it just just being being one, being cohesive, uh, because, you, you know, you, when you, we look back and see some of the, the Rams highlights, as we'll see later in the show today, it's, you know, you see a lot of mishaps, a lot of, you know, guys running into each other, maybe knocking each other off routes and, and, and guys springing open that way um, for the Rams, which, which allowed for all these third down conversions right. or, you know, so, so I, I think communication will be uh, the big thing I want to see improved upon. You got to know where your guys are at all times so you don't have those, so you're not tripping on each other's feet and, and really Really shooting yourself in the foot you know you have the athletes to line up against these guys but but if you're tripping and, and running into each other and falling you can't cover anybody you know it doesn't really matter so so let's make sure we communicate know know where you're past you know what you're expecting tendencies for the guys the routes you know what you what do you do on certain motions how do you pass certain guys off and that kind of thing yeah when i think of communication i think of the lack of reps for guys during preseason and there's two ways you can look at that there are some teams who have veterans or have played with each other and you don't really need those guys out there to get these reps. There are some teams who have new additions, even with these veterans, you feel like, okay, you need those reps. But at the same time, you still risk injury. So I look at this situation, I go, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, all right, you start these guys, someone gets banged up, everyone's going to look at Schneider and Pete Carroll and say, what are you doing? Now, you don't start these guys and you have the week that you have, people are going to look at you and say, okay, what are you doing? I go back to 2020, uh, 2020 season, when it was COVID, no one's in the stadium, um, we're at these games, and that team comes out and they look good, offensively at least. Right? They put up 35 points, they start 5-0, and and I go, for that team, that works for them. I could see where people could question whether these guys got reps in the preseason, but I go, look, it's risk-reward for me. I want to make sure all my guys are healthy, guys like Jordan Brooks, Jamal Adams, obviously um, he has, uh, he's been practicing as of late, uh, but this is your preseason game, kind of, right? You don't want it to be, but you got to treat it as that because now you have film to go off of and get better. Yeah, and this is one of those topics that it's, it's hindsight, right? Like, right, always. Man, you know, okay, he got injured in the preseason. We shouldn't have played him. But now, oh, he came out rusty this first game. We should have played him. And it's just, it's just one of those things. It's, there's no right answer to this question. It's right. whatever you're feeling, mm-hmm. whatever you're going with the, you know, the, the, the mood around the facility, however they, you're talking to your guys. You know, hey, how are they practicing? These coaches see these guys every day. And if they're practicing fast, they're on top of it. Uh, then, you know what? Maybe they don't, don't need to play in the preseason games. And, and they're going to be fine coming in. So it's just there's a lot that goes on to the thought process of it. So and it's there's no correct answer. It's it's whatever you feel. Pete's done it one way the whole time, and it's worked before. It hasn't worked. It is what it is. So it, it's I don't I don't like the talk because you know he whatever the coaches decide that's what they got to do. So it, it, there's no there's no right answer. So all yep. the diet you know that's why you have the coaches right. They get to make those decisions. We don't have to. There's no right answer. The right answer is the head coach's right answer. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. All right, folks, we are just getting started. Thank you for joining us live right here. When we come next, we're going to talk to Tim Twinneman. He is with DetroitLions.com. He's going to give us insight of, of this matchup. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live.
Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. You are listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday, right here on 710, we will be here talking about the Hawks. And right now, man, we got Tim Twinneman of DetroitLions.com. Tim, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing well. And you know what? It's crazy what a year does because last year we look at this matchup and uh, we respect all opponents, right? Of course, this is the NFL. You can't sleep on anybody. Then we get into a shootout and you go, you got to watch those Detroit Lions. And then you guys help us out. You beat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. We go, thank you, Detroit Lions. And then coming into this year, you guys get it done on a Thursday night. We go, oh, man, those Detroit Lions. And now we got to see you coming up this weekend. What's the feel like in Detroit, the shift in the culture? It's got to be a good time out there um, in Detroit. Yeah, and it's an exciting time. I think you kind of felt the buildup in the off season with what Brad Holmes has done in the draft the last couple of years. And then you get a couple of vet guys in C.J. Gardner-Johnson, in Cam Sutton, guys that have, you know, been in this league, done it at a high level. And, you know, you talked about coming here last year and, and the shootout, and I think that's where the big difference is with Detroit. They feel like they've improved themselves defensively pretty significantly. You look at last week holding Patrick Mahomes in that office at 316 yards. They were 0 for 7 on third down. They had just 20 points, and that's always been the big difference. You know, Detroit can play offense. You guys know that. You saw that shootout last year, but it was – you know, losing, you know, a high-scoring game to the Eagles and some of those shootouts, they just had to be better defensively. So, you know, building a toughness, a physicality uh, on defense, adding some veteran guys, I think that's where the biggest difference is with this football team. And we know they can score points. they got explosive guys in offense, but now they think they've got a defense, and that makes them pretty dangerous. Hey, Tim, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this to you, but uh, as a, you know, a Detroit reporter, you have the perfect last name. As, as actually one of my favorite <laughs> athletes of all time, number 20, Barry Sanders, Tim Twentyman. I think that's actually uh, amazing. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> uh, am I the first person to ask to tell you that? No, you're not. Actually, if you come up with a joke I haven't heard with my last name, I'll be pretty impressed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't go there with the jokes, but I'm going to stick with the backfield, uh, speaking of Barry Sanders. And, you know, your backfield this year in Detroit, it's all, all new guys this year. All, all new, right? You don't have uh, Swift. You don't have Jamal Williams anymore, but you got David Montgomery. You got the rookie, Gibbs. Uh, tell us what you think about that backfield. How will they fill the roles or uh, the shoes of the, the guys that left last year? Yeah, speaking of one of the guys that left last year, DeAndre Swift, I'm watching the game right now, and he's doing an all right job there in, in Philly, his hometown, so good for him. But, look, this is a Lions team that rushed for over 2,000 yards last year. But they actually threw for over 4,000, rushed for over 2,000. The only time in, in the team's history they've accomplished that, and they had over 20 rushing touchdowns. So they were really good running the football last year. But, guys, they think they're even better with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I think they think they're more explosive. I think they looked at last year, and they were able to grind yards and, and, and score touchdowns. But they think they've got some big play guys, especially in Jameer Gibbs. You saw that a little bit last week. Um, you know, just nine touches. They were kind of working him in, the number 12 overall pick. But he was pretty electric. 60 scrimmage yards and just nine touches. And, and guys, he he made seven guys miss in nine touches. So, you know, he's pretty explosive. And we've all seen what, what David Montgomery can do over the years. Now he's got, you know, one of the best offensive lines to run behind. He's pretty elusive. 
great in pass protection. And so they really love the duo. They think they're going to be able to grind out you know, yards on the ground, make some big plays on the ground. And then in the passing game, we, we, especially with Jameer, they think they're dynamic there. So they really like what they've got in the backfield, and they think it can be a real weapon for them, both you know, running the football and catching out of the backfield as well. Got to love what they have in the backfield. Uh, but, Tim, man, you're quarterback, right? When Jared Goff <laughs> left Los Angeles, he was perceived as a guy who had success because of the talent around him. He's entering his third year with the Detroit Lions, and I think he just earned the respect of being a good quarterback. 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 4,400 yards last year. When you guys first acquired Jared Goff, did you think he would be this guy, or did you think he was a transition quarterback? You know, a lot of people did, and I think it was just kind of wait and see. I think, you know, Brad Holmes was with him in, in Los Angeles. He was one of the guys that, 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 you know, beat the table to draft him number one overall back in the day. And so, yeah, Brad Holmes was very aware of, of the kind of quarterback Jared Goff was. Look, he had won a lot of games. He had taken a team to a Super Bowl. Um, so there was a lot of respect in Detroit. Um, but you, you obviously had to see it. And, and there were some growing moments with some new pieces. And they fired an offensive coordinator midway season but I think once you know Ben Johnson came the offensive coordinator here and, and he built this offense and it wasn't Ben Johnson saying okay this is what we do this is my scheme here fit it no he invited Jared Goff in and they built this thing together and when you do that with a quarterback now all of a sudden he takes ownership of this offense right and you've seen how that has developed and I think you know you mentioned the 29 touchdowns but I've mentioned the seven interceptions too mm. um you know and and he's gone 359 straight passes without interception it's the third longest streak in history guys Crazy. and so when they went eight and two last year they found a formula Look, if we take care of the football, if we run, if we do play action. Jared Goff has 130 passer rating on play action passes, best in the league. So they found a formula that fit Jared Goff, and now we're seeing the results of that. And, you know, now they've got a defense to go along with. With some of the new weapons they've got, they just feel really good about the quarterback position, Jared Goff, and this offense. And um, he's playing at a really, really high level right now. Things are rolling in Detroit. Now, i got to ask you, when when you think when was the last time that you've seen this much hype around a Lions team? Not in my 15 years, guys. <laughs> I mean, and 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 it's going to be exciting in Ford Field. You know, I, I I used to write for the Detroit News before I took this job with the Lions, and there are two events that I've covered in my lifetime where my ears were just still ringing hours after a game. It was the Monday Night Football game in 2011 when the, the Ford Field was so loud that the, the Bears had nine false start penalties. And the other one was covering the NCAA final, individual finals. Wrestling fans, guys, are crazy loud. Um, but I think Sunday is going to rival that. And so, you know, there's a lot of excitement around this team. You saw what the fans did in Kansas City. There had to have been 10, 15,000 Lions fans in Kansas City. There is a ton of excitement around this team. They're unveiling a statue for Barry Sanders on, on uh, Sunday at the game. So um, it, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be loud. And this is the most excitement there's been around this team just because of what they've built and, and you know, what they have. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty solid roster, and people are pretty fired up around here. Well, Tim, you got me nervous. One, you mentioned the uh, unveiling <laughs> of a Barry Sanders statue. That's never good. And then, um, obviously, the way this team is playing. But two, the ski masks that are going to be there this weekend. Um, uh, uh, is that a safety concern? Like, what's going, what's going on with that? Are they, are they bought yeah, into the ski mask deal? Yeah, that's, 
that's something C.J. Gardner-Johnson kind of started this week. It seems like it might be taking off a little bit. Uh, I will not be partaking in the ski masking at, at Ford Field, but um, you never know. As long as people have some fun um, with it, um, you know, what's the harm, I guess? Hopefully there's no security issues. <laughs> Hey, Tim, well, we appreciate your time, man. We expect a battle this weekend, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, I tell you what, guys, uh, this Lions team certainly gives Seattle a lot of respect, too. The last two times these, these teams have played, 51 points and 48 points for Seattle. So Detroit is certainly not taking these guys lightly. Don't try to soften us up, Tim. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you take care. Thanks, Tim. All right, guys. <laughs> Hey, guys, come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collection Dining District. Tonight, they're giving away tickets or gift cards to Cactus and Daniel's Broiler. Okay, coming up next, we chat with the Seahawks. We chat with the Seahawks. Tackle Stone Forsythe. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. This is Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 Seattle Sports. And right now we are joined by a Seahawks player, man, Stone Forsyth. Stone, how you doing? Doing good. How about you? Hey, we are well. What I want to say, you got a football name. I mean, you were destined to play football. Stone Forsyth. I mean, your parents knew what they were doing with that name, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you're, you're from Florida. You played for Florida. You pretty much took the longest flight in America that you could take to get to Seattle. Um, what was that like? How, how do you like the area so far? Oh, it was great up here. I mean, all the green, um, all the water and everything. You know, it's kind of like Florida, just it's a little colder up here. But, uh, no, nah, area is great. Uh, Love the views. I don't even have the practice field, the facility, and stuff like that. But it's it's good up here. Stone, there's a uh, little less alligators up here, though. You won't see those in Lake Washington. Oh, so yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing to worry, worry about. about those. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, now you're right outside of Disney, right? That's where you're from. Uh, right? Yeah, Winter Garden, kind of. Yeah, yeah did you go to Disney very much growing up? Um, actually, Universal. My mom used to work there, so we had a uh, year passes, so we'd go there quite often. That's where the real rides are, Bump. That's where the real rides are. I've never been. uh, Our guy, B-Walt, has a home in Florida. He's always trying to get me to go down there. Hey, man, um, what's it like, man? I'm an undrafted free agent. My guy, B-Walt, here was an undrafted free agent. So we know what it's like to prepare and not necessarily know if you're going to play or not. Now it seems like you might have an opportunity here uh, to get in the game. So what's your preparation like every week when it comes to this diet or sleep or film just take us in the life of stone foresight throughout a week um definitely i'm big on sleep so i mean um, people joke around saying me and my uh, wife are kind of like old couple because we're sleeping by 9 30 but uh <laughs> no nah, just kind of prepping through the week i mean uh, i've always been the swing tackle here so even even though if i'm no i'm not playing i'm kind of getting ready like i'm getting ready to play but uh, just a lot of film uh kind of mental preparation a lot of stuff in the meeting room. Uh, reps are pra- uh, limited at practice, so you just got to take advantage of that. But, uh, just just a lot of film and uh, kind of visualizing what I got to do. You know, you uh, you started a game last year. Now, has that helped you prepare for this moment as well? Uh, yeah, for sure. Kind of get those nerves out of the way, but, I mean, there's always nerves going into a game. But, uh, yeah, kind of, I mean, that was a home game, so this will be the first road game, so it'll be a little different. 
So when I was coming up in the league, I had a young receiver coach. He was young at the time. His name was Robert Prince. He's now with the Dallas Cowboys. And it was cool because we could relate, right, listen to the same music, kind of talk the same. You got a younger coach in uh, Andy Dickerson. What's that like being coached by him? Oh, it's great. Uh, kind of like you said, he's younger, so uh, he can relate to us, tries to play some music, kind of be one of the boys in the meeting room. But uh, he, he knows what he's talking about, gets all on the same page, uh, kind of works on our technique and everything, and tries to get us uh, better every week. Stone, I'm always curious about the uh, dynamics in, in certain position rooms. You know, when I was in Seattle, the whiteouts, you know, we were like the talkative bunch. You know, we had we had guys like, you know, Doug Baldwin and Percy and Golden mm-hmm. and, and all these guys loved to just, you know, they were out there all the time. What's what's the O-line? If you had to describe the offensive line group, how would you describe them? And, and who's who's the vocal guy? Who's the quiet guy? What would you give me the update in the O-line room? Oh, uh, room's quiet all around. I mean, <laughs> Kind of, we got a, uh, kind of Greg. Greg's a standout guy. Olu, one of the rookies. But, uh, other than that, we're kind of all quiet. We'll crack jokes a little bit. I think Joey, Joey Hunt's probably the most outgoing right now. But, uh, it, it's a very quiet room. I'd probably say we're the quietest in all the positions. Maybe the quietest, but I would assume you guys are one of the closest. Every team I've played for, the offensive line, those guys are extremely close because you guys depend on each other a lot uh, to get your job done. Uh, growing up, did you always play offensive line? I, I, this is, or at least let me let me start here. In my experiences, I find that offensive linemen start off like at tight ends, quarterbacks, maybe even receivers, and then as you grow and everyone else stops, you kind of just get stuck on that offensive line. What was your journey like to get um, on the O-line? Uh, no, I started off playing O-line. Uh, my first year playing, we didn't have a center, and uh, my dad played center, so he's like, all right, you're going to be the new center, so he kind of taught me all that. So I played center from fourth grade until my junior year of high school, and I got too tall, and then they moved me out to tackle. <laughs> so I've always been on the O-line. Hey, uh, this week uh, you just signed a guy, uh, Jason Peters, future Hall of Famer. He's 41 oh, years yeah. old. Tell me what that means to you. Is that is he someone you can rely on? Will you pick his brain about you know his experiences? You know what's made him a good player? Uh, how how is that in the room? How how's he doing? Oh yeah, definitely picking his brain. Uh, he's a good good resource to have around. Um, even even if you don't have questions, ask him. He'll come tell you stuff what you need to do or what you did good or anything like that. So it's it's cool to have a one of those older vets in the room that you can. Uh, has played a lot of ball and has a lot of experience, and you can pick their brain. Uh, you guys are coming off a tough week, man. Uh, I'm sure you guys didn't perform the way that you expected. Uh, what's the mood like over there at uh, at VMAC, and what's been the message to get you guys back on track to being who uh, we feel and, and you guys know you can be? Um, it's kind of. I thought going in, it was it's just one game. We got a bunch more. Um, we're not gonna let one game define our entire season. So it's just kind of. The week to come out, uh, be one and zero at the end of the week. That's our goal. Hey Stone, what have you guys seen on the other side of the ball? You have a guy named Aiden Hutchinson. So uh, you know you guys got to prep for him. He's defensive uh, runner-up, defensive rookie of the year. Um, what have you seen on film from him, and, and how are you going to attack him? Oh, he's definitely a great guy, a high effort kid. Um, he has a lot of moves. Uh, he, a lot of uh, spin moves, kind of bull rush, speed rush, has a little bit of everything. So just kind of got to play to myself and uh, just stay sharp in my technique. 
So during weeks like this, when you know you're going into a hostile environment, right? We just spoke to one of the writers for the Detroit Lions. Uh, they're going to be wearing ski masks. It's going to be loud in there. Do you guys do something a little extra during practice to prepare you for those moments? Uh, we just we just have a bunch of speakers out there. So Pete does a great job of trying to replicate that environment. So he just has music blaring throughout the whole practice. So we got to work on our silent cadence and the communication with all that crowd noise. All right, Stone Man, we appreciate your time. It's 7.37, not quite 9.30, so you got a little bit more time to hang out with the wifey and watch some Netflix or a film or whatever you guys do, man. And uh, we, we appreciate your time. Good luck this weekend, and, and go get it done, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, All right, no Tom. problem. All right, that was Stone Forsyth. We're going to see him this weekend, man. I think he's going to do a great job for your Seattle Seahawks. When we return, we're going to go around the NFL. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Brian Walters. Every Thursday, we'll be here at 7 o'clock on 710. You know what? I met a, I met a guy, Dave Ross, man. This is what happens when you, uh, you hang out with guys like Brian Walters who play golf all the time. You know, I'm a golfer. He might be a little better than me. You got to give me, give me uh, some strokes and some, uh, and some money at the end of the day. But uh, you meet Dave Ross, and uh, it's all about connections in the golf game. So, B, I appreciate the connection that you just gave me. Hopefully I can play some golf here pretty soon. Well, you know, I've been trying to play golf with you for, what, two years now. <laughs> we still have not teed it up, so i got to bring other people in to you yeah, know, maybe yeah. entice you with a good course or something. Yeah, maybe you know. then you'll play with me, Bump, because right now, you know, I'm striking out. I'm, I'm, hey. I, can't, I can't get you on the course. You're scratch. You're scratch. I'm scared <laughs> of you. I'm scared <laughs> of you. All right, man, let's go around the NFL. We got the first week done and uh, the first week is always the most intriguing to me because you don't really know who's going to do what and what teams are going to be. But there are some things over the past few years that have just been almost guaranteed. And one of them is that the 49ers are going to be good. It makes me sick. I'm watching them. I go, up, oh, Nick Bosa. They signed Nick Bosa for sure. Oh, Brock Purdy. Yep, he's as good as we thought he's going to be. Oh, Bre- Debo Samuel. No, nah, Brandon Ayuk took a step up. He had over 100 yards. And then Christian McCaffrey did his thing. They went down to Pittsburgh, and they got it done. So I look at the 49ers, and I go, all right, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> and we got to compete against these guys. What would you see out of that game? I mean, Niners are tough. Niners are for real. Um, as much as I hate to admit it, uh, Brock Purdy, I think they knew what they were doing, probably sending Trey Lance out and, right. and, and knowing that Brock Purdy's going to be their guy as long as he has a what UCL. Um, so he can throw the ball. But, uh, I mean, everywhere you look, you have weapons, uh, not only on offense but on defense. But you go from, you know, McCaffrey and Debo on the same team. I mean, uh, and so that's wild. And then, you know, you have their defense with Fred, arguably the best linebacker in the game with Fred Warner. Right. Uh, so it doesn't get any any easier when it comes to the 49ers as far as them being in the division. So, you know, you just hope to uh, – you know play your game against them and, and they're going to be good but it was a weird week around the nfl week one there was there was a few blowouts and and that doesn't happen very much right, right. i mean we watched the the cowboys uh crush the giants did you expect anything there 
Yeah, I did. You know what I expected? That Daniel Jones wasn't going to be as good as $40 million a year. <laughs> now, I never, I never want to hate on the athlete. You get your money because this league will get rid of you as soon as they think you are done. But I didn't think Daniel Jones was worth $40 million. But just like I can't overreact on the Seahawks, I can't overreact on Daniel Jones and the Giants. We'll see what happens there. Um, uh, update on the game that's happening tonight. Philadelphia, they are up 27-14. to 14. Someone told me, now, I couldn't watch the game because I was at Cactus, you know, enjoying my uh, brisket taco that I had. Uh, they texted me. Actually, it was Curtis. His parents are in the, in the stands right now texted me. He said, look, Philadelphia, their fans are booing them in the first quarter. If there's any, there aren't any tougher fans than Philadelphia fans. You ever play in front of a, a Philly, fan, uh, uh, Philly uh, stadium? Yeah, I played there a couple times. Yeah, and it was... Uh Swirling. I was returning punts, and it was a swirling wind, and it was one of the tougher stadiums to catch punts. But that was a side note of the fans. The fans were were almost like Raider fans playing in. Uh, did you play in uh, Oakland back when? Never played in Oakland. No. Yeah, that was wild too. So it was almost similar. But I think Philly fans are not not taking anything from the Oakland. They're they're very knowledgeable for the game, but they expect a lot out of their team. That's for sure. Any fans that throw batteries at Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm uh, a little suspect to me. All right, another big upset in the season. We had Cincinnati go down and lose to the Cleveland Browns 24-3. to Was not expecting that. Of course, you got Deshaun Watson and all his drama that he brings to the table. He played a decent game. It was more about that defense. And then you had Joe Burrow coming off an injury. I believe it was a strained calf over there. Now, just like... Cincinnati fans, I don't think they are panicking over that first week loss. I think the Seahawks shouldn't panic, but it's a bit different over there because obviously they've had recent success. Were you surprised at that score? Yeah, of course. I mean, but this is like you just said, it's week one. You never know. Crazy things can happen, but the Bengals are a good football team. They're going to bounce back, much like the Seahawks, right? I kind of put the Bengals and the Seahawks in the same same category. A couple Pro Bowl quarterbacks that maybe didn't put up the stats that you thought. You know, right. Burrow was through for 82 yards. Um, and, and you don't expect that from a guy who just signed a, what was it, $200, $300 million contract? Highest paid football player of all time. Uh, so... Uh, you know, maybe maybe get that game behind him, that first game back with the paycheck, the big paycheck, and now looking forward to week two for him. So, but it's just week one's just so different. It's so weird. Uh, and luckily, all these teams like the Bengals and the Giants and and the Seahawks, you know, they have time to recover. Uh, it's not it's not like this is happening in week fourteen. A game that I was looking forward to seeing uh, the result: Green Bay versus Chicago. And the reason why I was looking at Green Bay because Green Bay, one of the luckiest franchises in the game right now you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers like 100 years of great football and then you throw in Jordan Love and I go all right what's it going to be like because the last time we saw Aaron Rodgers in uh Chicago he's telling the Chicago fans how he owns them and whatnot so Chicago probably felt like they were going to be back in the game but they lose that game 38 to 20 Jordan Love throws for 245 yards now I didn't watch the game's for snap, but I did go back and look at it. He also had three touchdowns. He looked okay. He's lo- he looked okay. But you know how this game goes, man. You got to prove it every single week. If the Packers are able to find another franchise quarterback in Jordan Love, I don't think I can remember three Hall of Fame or back-to-back franchise quarterbacks. I look at the 49ers, like Joe Montana and Steve Young. Then I think you can go to, honestly, that's it right there, just those two franchises. Other than that, I can't, I can't think of one. Yeah, I me mean, neither. I'm thinking uh, Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady. 
Maybe his yeah. Drew Bledsoe Hall of Bledsoe Famer. Bledsoe was no, nah, not Hall He's of Famer. Not, okay. He was, he was, he was the highest paid player in the league at the time. Okay, though. that's fair. Yeah, highest paid player in the league. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I looked at that Green Bay matchup. I go, okay, I want to see what this young man looks like. I'm showing love to Jordan Love. Another matchup that I was looking at. I want to see um, how this went down. Houston against Baltimore, and more because of Houston. You got C.J. Stroud over there. I want to see what the rookie looks like. I never expect rookie quarterbacks to look stellar. I expect him to struggle. I wouldn't say he necessarily had a horrible game, but didn't have a great game. Um, have you played with a rookie quarterback before? And what's that like being in a huddle if you have um, playing with a rookie quarterback? Yeah, uh, well, I was with Ross's rookie year. Uh, and we all know how that went. Russ, Russ was, he had a great little 2012. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Bortles was not a rookie when I was with him. Christian Ponder wasn't a rookie. And then I was with Philip Rivers, who today, still to the, uh, well, I'll get in trouble for saying this in Seattle, <laughs> but st- was the best quarterback I've ever played with, hands down. I mean, yeah. the way he could sling it. Uh, so I never had to have that. Um, no, I guess not. I guess not. Like the high expectation rookie coming in who's uh-huh. you know expected to start right away. I've, I've never had that. And, uh, yeah, not like, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud and, and um, Bryce Young and, and those guys. Those guys are just expectations are through the roof. So here, here's my thing. I think, I think if, if this Jordan Love thing works out for the Packers, mm-hmm. I think more teams are going to start following that model. Where you sit a guy for three, four yeah, years and like, develop. You know, they did it once, okay, maybe got twice, okay, but three times doing it? Yeah. Like, I mean, then, then they're on to something. And, and teams might start following that model a little bit just to have – because quarterback is so position, or so important, and, and it, it, there's so much to it. You can't get a guy in there for six months – come into your team and expect them to know everything there's going to be a big step back it's going to there's going to be some struggling some some learning so you have a guy in there learning from a first off that's the most important thing you have to have a good quarterback right. in front of them so that's not a luxury a lot of teams have so that that puts a damper on that a little bit but to have a quarterback that can sit there and and learn for a year or two the the ins and outs of the playbook and how games go and everything i think is such an advantage and the packers may be onto something here Here's an update of Thursday night football between the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings. Philly is up 27, but the Vikings just scored 21. He got seven minutes and 41 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Eagles are going to get the football. We got a game going there. I actually picked the Minnesota Vikings to win this game. And I only picked them because of what happened week one with Philly. They didn't have a great offensive performance. But there's something about the Vikings during the regular seasons where you know they're going to play some good football. So we shall see what happens there. Another game that I was interested in watching, Miami versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Before the season started, Tyreek Hill said he is going to break the single-season receiving yards record. And he had 211 yards off to a great start, man. Now, we've, um, I think, in at least in my opinion, in our, our generation, the greatest receiver I ever saw with my own eyes in their prime is Randy Moss. When you look at Tyreek Hill, if you are a kid who was born in the 2000s, is he the guy that you look at, you think, when it comes to being the best you've seen with your own eyes? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of other guys as well now. So you have, you have Tyreek Hill, who does it game in and game out. And, and I'm, I'm actually a little upset. I had a chance to take him in fantasy football, and mm. I, I pass on him. Who'd you get? Uh, who did I get? Well, we did a different. We did auction, so it got too high, okay. right? The, the yeah. price got too high, yeah. so I didn't... Yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't, you know, I think it was like 60 points or something for him, and I didn't do it, so I kind of regret that now. But, you know, Calvin Johnson would be there mm-hmm. in the yeah. 2000s as a wide right. receiver. 
Uh, Jerry Rice? I mean, uh, I, they didn't see him in his prime. Jerry in his prime was like 93, 94, 95. They don't yeah. know about Jerry. No. They don't know about Jerry. Justin Jefferson could get there at some point here in the next four, five, six years, right? right? Be one of the... Yeah. Um, but Tyreek Hill has done it year after year. And, man, he, there's nobody moves like Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you watch him. His legs are pumping so fast, and he's moving so fast. He just, he's, uh, he's on another level. It's fun to yeah. watch. Um, Justin Jefferson is probably the most exciting receiver for me to watch right now. And let me remind you guys, two receivers here. We can just focus on receivers all day, but we're not going to do that to you guys. Uh, but, yeah, Justin Jefferson, obviously one of, one of my favorite receivers to watch. Um, Tua, speaking of uh, Tyreek Hill going over to his quarterback, Tua was asked, he goes, look, a reporter asked him, can you throw the deep ball? Do you know what Tua said to that reporter, B-Walt? <laughs> I have not seen this. Let's he said 466. He threw for 466 oh. yards. Like, come on, you're going to ask me if I can throw the deep ball. So then what I did, I went back to the box score and I go, I don't know, can he throw the deep ball? He had a long of 47, a long of 35, a long of 24. Every quarterback in the league can throw it deep. It's all about the velocity in which the ball um, flicks off his wrist. What is there a quarterback that you just enjoy watching throw the football? <laughs> uh, well, can I real quick? Were those? Was there any yak on those little yards after catch, or is that like you know he's airing it out? He's throwing. I remember one at least at Tyreek Hill. It was at least 40, 45 yards yeah, in the air. Yeah, yeah. that's impressive. Um, well, we all know Russell threw a great deep ball. Uh, he, he got praised for that a lot. Um, who do I, I? I mean, unfortunately, he just went down with the, the torn Achilles. But I've always liked how Aaron Rodgers threw, threw the ball. You know how he throws the ball. I should say he's not done. He's not done. But it's it's so effortless and a little you know flick of the wrist. Uh, not a lot of perfect mechanics going on. And whenever I watch him and, and he makes some of those plays where he's rolling and, and it's just it doesn't look like he puts much puts much into it, but it's just this little wrist flick and he gets it out and he gets it into some tight windows. So I've always enjoyed watching him throw the ball and it's been been impressive to see. So I hope he can recover from that uh, injury he just had and come back for another year. He can't go out like that. All right, that was around the NFL. We got that out the way. When we come back, we're getting back to Seahawk Talks. Actually, we're going to talk to Mike Morris live and in person. That is next right here on Hawks Live.